0: I sold my soul to the devil. I'm his bounty hunter. But it only happens at night. Like it is right now. Whenever I'm around evil. Evil people, evil spirits. I change. It's just a great big monster. But I am learning to. I'm getting control of it. I'm trying to. This is the legend of the Ghost Rider. Some damn soul. Cursed. ride the earth, collecting on the devil's deals. The thing about legends is, sometimes they're true. Let's ride. Welcome to Now Playing's Ghost Rider Retrospective Series. Hell yes. Part of the Now Playing Marvel Comic Movie Series. Now, deal with my rider. Hosted by Jacob... Guilty. Your soul is stained by the blood of innocence. Stuart. I'm not doing it. You don't have any choice. And Arnie. You're a hot shot, ain't you, boy? At NowPlayingPodcast.com, we will be watching the Ghost Rider films in anticipation of the release of Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance.
1: Can you keep up?
0: This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Listener discretion is advised. In my job—I've seen and heard just about everything. So there is nothing you can tell me that's going to surprise me. Come on, Husha. I got show to do.
2: Today we're discussing Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, starring Nicolas Cage, Johnny Whitworth, Syrian Hines, Violante Placido, directed by Mark neville and Brian Taylor. I'm Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, and damn,
3: bet you're happy to see me,
1: Stuart in L.A.
3: Sorry, I'm just doing my Ghost Rider interpretive dance over here. This
2: is Jacob. <laughs> and here we are. One of the shorter retrospective series we've done. Not really. <laughs> Week two, Ghost Rider in theaters. Did you guys see it 2D or 3D? This was a post-conversion job.
1: I do what I always did. I went to the midnight show. and Mostly because I was so damn curious. Who goes to a midnight show of this? Would <laughs> anyone be there? I actually was fascinated with the idea that someone couldn't wait till morning to take this <laughs> in. <sit. laughs> That was what kind of amused me. So I'm like, all right. It was 18 bucks, but I went 3D to the big theater and I had it answered. There were 30 people that cared, more than I would have thought. Mostly, I would say it was men and single men at that. There were two large ladies who, they were kind of sitting, spread, like everyone had their feet up. Like the theater was empty enough that people could like lounge. And these girls, I don't know if they thought the 3D could impregnate them, but the way I, maybe they thought they were at the doctor's office, but when I walked in, it was like, holy. But for the most part, single people, a couple couples, not really a date movie, despite the love story angle and the Valentine's Day weekend proximity. I was surprised. I was mildly impressed that people still would turn out for Nick Cage as Ghost Rider, five years after that last one, in theaters on midnight.
3: And I went Friday evening right after work, so it wasn't the weekend crowd yet, people were still on their way home, so it wasn't a packed theater, maybe about 50 people, it was a 3D showing, because they only had one 2D showing at the theater I went to, and that was for the first showing of the day, so I ended up seeing it in 3D, about 50 people, and mine actually had quite a few couples, I was going to say, Stuart. Perhaps they had great memories of it being a love story, and so they (laughs) wanted to experience that again. Uh, But yeah, quite a few couples, mostly people in their 20s, a couple moms there with their very young children, questionable. But it wasn't like when I saw Drive Angry a year ago, which starred Nick Cage and a similar type of story about an Antichrist, which had four of us in it.
1: Yeah, that one was a real tanker. I think it's already made that amount of money, and it's only Saturday.
2: And I actually were recording this on Saturday, and I saw this twice already.
3: Somehow you already got the uh, extended cut, (laughs) right? (laughs) With the commentary, all that.
2: No, I went and saw it last night in 3D, the 7 o'clock showing, which is like the prime showing, right? Friday night, 7 o'clock, went with both my wife and the friend who I take along to movies my wife won't go to, like Green Lantern and Transformers, so the three of us went to see it, and... It was a medium-packed house, maybe 30 people there, a lot of couples, it's Friday night, it's date night, and then I just felt I hadn't gotten enough out of it, and so I went back today to a matinee in the 2D version, and there were maybe 15 to 20 people in the whole theater, it was mostly guys, a lot of single guys there, one group of three, just, loving this, like hooting and hollering and laughing throughout the whole movie and just talking about how great it was. And it was an intriguing crowd today.
1: Again, I feel like people are in theaters for this. It shocks me. I really thought that Ghost Rider was like a toxin. I thought that it was a joke that everyone understood. It's just one of those things that made money in its day. But five years later, and all those Nick cage bombs afterwards i just didn't think anybody would turn up in fact you
2: and i have had email exchanges for months since we put this on our schedule we were going it will be the lowest grossing weekend for any now playing weekend of release in history it'll do worse than scott pilgrim which is our current record holder for bad right as far as box office
1: maybe fright night that's hard to say
2: yeah those two are neck and neck but you were saying this was going to do drive angry money
1: I really didn't see it getting over the hump of ten million.
3: Stuart, here's your problem because this movie is toxic. I would never go see a Ghost Rider movie except they injected the antidote into it. Neville Dean and Taylor, the guys who brought me crank and crank too high voltage. I don't know if they've done anything else, but those movies are so crazy, taking, you know, a a skeleton on fire, riding a motorcycle, that seems like their kind of movie and that they could do something right with it.
2: They did do one other movie called Gamer, and... I am on record with you, Jacob, as loving Crank. Crank 2, I just didn't think was quite as good. Felt a little bit forced. But yes, they made Gamer, which I just have not seen. But Johnny Whitworth, who was in this movie as Kerrigan, was also in Gamer. That's where they made their hookup.
1: Haven't seen any of them, but I did actually get a chance to meet these guys. At that very same Comic-Con where I saw the first footage of Ghost Rider and learned it was a love story, I also got to do a small interview session with these guys and Jason Statham. They were there to promote Crank. So although I've never seen Crank, I did see them talk about Crank. And I think I get it. I mean, I get their energy. They're high testosterone, goofy guys. They had a lot of personality. They were fun. If that could translate on the screen, I could definitely see why they have a cult appeal and why people would rally around their vision.
2: I saw these guys at Comic-Con as well. I mentioned this last week. I was there for the Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance panel last year at Comic-Con. Neville Dean was there. Taylor was there. Nick Cage was there. Idris Elba And Johnny Whitworth all up there on stage, and they got me excited for this movie. I was already excited because it's Ghost Rider
1: for some reason.
2: Hey, I mentioned last week, always had a thing for the man with the flaming skull. But the fact that Nick Cage was coming back kind of made me a bit nervous, I'll admit. But they were showing their footage, and they showed this great making of Doc and how it was done. And we're saying they had to deal with their stuntmen that anytime a bone was broken, that footage will be used. So we saw real bones break on screen with this. And so... I was kind of excited. That panel made me go from lukewarm to fiery hot on Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance.
1: So they're an up-and-coming directing duo. Did they need to do this? Was this them slumming or is this them stepping into the big time? That's what I can't figure out. Couldn't they get a better project
3: than a sequel to a Nicolas Cage pseudo-hit? It's also a Marvel property, though. I mean, that's something you want on your resume. It doesn't matter, you know, Doctor Strange, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man. I mean, it's Marvel, who's owned by Disney. I mean, that's, yeah. even if it's not Disney putting out the film, That's I think that's still a major thing to have on your resume, that I've handled a Marvel property.
1: And as you said, they've already done their own thing, and Gamer had not been a hit with anyone. I don't know anyone that's seen it. So if you have, <laughs> let us know what you think. But maybe they did need this.
2: And it was also their biggest budget film to date. I mean, they've been, working their way up. Gamer was $50 million. Crank were pretty small time for what they were. This was a $75 million picture, a chance to keep growing in the business.
3: Wow, this is that much money? Is Yeah, that sounds like a lot... It is a lot. And, well, we'll get into it, because I'm wondering where that money went then, but we'll talk about
1: Let's it. Let's <laughs> remind people in this economy, $75 million is a lot of money, but I guess it isn't a lot uh, to see on screen, because this has all the feel and appeal of Grindhouse. This feels like a low-budget, dirty movie. This doesn't feel like they have considerably more money than they would have with the first Crank.
2: They had a ton more money, but it was a tightening of the belt from the first Ghost Rider film, which was about $125 million, little less than that, but it was about a $50 million budget cut for this one.
1: And so needed. Whoever greenlit that original one, well, I hope they're out on their ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those that haven't made it to the theater yet or want to know what they're missing, Arnie, why don't you give them a plot? Instead of me giving them a plot... I just suggest they
2: do some acid and stare into a fire.
3: That should take care of it. You're already making this sound awesome.
2: <laughs> That's how I felt after I left the theater the first time. The reason I went back, I walked out the first time and I'm like, Fuck me, I have to do a plot summary. What do I say? I couldn't keep track of this scene to scene. It really felt like a peyote induced fever dream.
3: Hey, I know what you mean. But the plot's pretty simple. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what your plot summary is, because I felt it was pretty straightforward for a guy possessed with a demonic spirit and rides a motorcycle.
1: Right, they already explained that away. I mean, <laughs> hell, that's the hardest part. Yeah. Why did the skull get on the bike? <laughs>
2: Well, after seeing it the second time, I think I got a much firmer hold on the linkages. I mean, I knew what was happening in every scene, but the things that caused things to go from one scene to the next.
1: Just don't tell me it makes sense.
2: Nadia was a young gypsy wanting out of the gypsy lifestyle, so she hooked up with Ray Kerrigan, a gun and drug runner. But when a gun deal goes bad, Nadia has to jump out of a third-story window to her death. But as she's dying, the devil, in the form of Rourke, played by Sirian Hines, arrives and makes her a deal. He will restore her body if she agrees to provide him with a son. Our movie begins 13 years after that. The son, named Danny is about to turn 13, and the devil in the Rourke body for several years needs a new body that can actually contain his satanic power. Danny, being only half-human, is that body, but the ritual can only be performed at sunrise on the boy's 13th birthday, so he hires Kerrigan to abduct Danny and bring the boy to him. But groups of monks, led by Frenchman Moreau, played by Idris Elba, is out to rescue the boy. The movie opens with Kerrigan leading a group of mercenaries to capture Danny in a monastery, and Moreau tries to help Danny and Nadia, but he's mistaken for one of the mercs, and Nadia shoots at him. Knowing only the Ghost Rider can protect the boy, Moreau goes to Johnny Blaze, who's been hiding in Eastern Europe after his deal with Rourke, trying to deal with the evil spirit that dwells within him. Moreau makes Johnny a deal. If Johnny uses the Rider to rescue the boy, Moreau and his groups of monks, led by Methodius, played by Christopher Lambert, will remove the demon from Johnny's body. So Johnny changes into the Ghost Rider, several battles break out, where the boy is first captured by Kerrigan, then rescued by the Rider, then the Rider and Danny bond over their demonic natures, while Kerrigan gets killed in a battle and resurrected by Rourke as Blackout, a demon who decays everything he touches. Except Twinkies. Johnny, Nadia, and Moreau deliver Danny to Methodius, and the monks fulfill their promise. They remove the Ghost Rider from Johnny, after telling Johnny the background of the demon. The demon's name is Zarathos, and he was an angel, a spirit of justice sent to protect man. But he was taken to hell, corrupted, and his mission of protecting the innocent turned into punishing the guilty, and he turned into the devil's spirit of vengeance. But the monks rid Johnny of the rider, then they decide Danny is dangerous, and born with his power, they cannot remove it, so they decide to kill the boy. But Blackout shows up, kills the monks, and captures Danny. Delivering the boy to Rourke, the ceremony to put Rourke's soul in Danny's body begins. Knowing that this means the end of the earth, Johnny, Moreau, and Nadia go to stop Rourke, Blackout kills Moreau, and Johnny is about to be killed as well, but Danny, realizing he has all of Rourke's powers, puts the spirit of Zarathos back into Johnny. Once again the rider, Johnny kills Blackout, and a road chase occurs with the rider chasing Rourke and the boy. Ghost Rider crashes Rourke's car and sends him back to hell, and Danny is killed in the crash. But Johnny can now feel the angelic part of Zarathos, and his hand glows with blue fire as the angel resurrects the boy. And with Rourke beaten, Johnny now rides into the night, not as a spirit of vengeance, but as the spirit of justice. Is that what you
1: guys got out of it? Yeah, more or less. It's real straightforward. There's a kid. Pass him around, and by the end of it, things will be burning. (laughs) Now, we always start with the Marvel
2: logo. We are back with the Marvel Knights logo. This is only the second time after Punisher Warzone.
1: I'm confused. To me, you put something like this. I thought this signified hard R, extreme violence, a movie that was going to definitely not be geared towards kids. But this movie's PG-13. That
2: shocked me, too, with Neville Dean Taylor directing and having seen the two Crank films. I'm not even sure how the Crank films
3: are just (laughs) R-rated. Yeah. (laughs) That's how hardcore they are. It saddens me. It's not that I crave blood and gore and the F-word and boobies, but, you know... You said it, Stuart, Grindhouse. This is a literal hell's angel. This is a motorcycle guy on fire. I want the violence. I want the depravity. I want that hard R rating, especially if it's Neville, Dean, and Taylor, because they do hard R really well.
1: Yeah, I figured that that's what this had to be. And seeing this at the beginning, it was a head-scratcher. My only guess is when this appears on DVD, and it probably won't be that long, <laughs> they're going to have an uncut version that they're going to show you everything they couldn't put in. You know, I imagine they shot a whole lot of footage, did a whole lot of tricks, had a whole lot of gore, and then gave it to the censors and said, do whatever you want with it in theaters. It doesn't matter because movies now live and breathe on Home video. I don't think I
2: realized till I bought my ticket that it was PG-13. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit shocked that they were going that route. I mean, so many of the Marvel movies are PG-13. It's like the de facto rating. That just doesn't feel like Ghost Rider's home. You know, Stuart, you say that, but according to Neville Dean and Taylor, the version of the movie out there is their definitive version, and there's only two to four deleted scenes for the Blu-ray.
3: Wow. Too bad. All right. It's a shame that this wasn't a hard R rating. I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that.
2: Why? I mean, other than getting a chance to see Violante Placido's titties, I don't know what I would have gotten if this had been rated R.
3: We'll get into it with the action scenes. I felt like some of the action scenes lacked immediacy because there wasn't that extreme violence there there's a quick slash of a chain turn someone into fire but i wanted to see more this is a guy with hellfire in him let's see some melting let's see some charred bodies you know you got a guy with the power to decay you i want to see that i mean this in some sense is almost like a horror film you got a couple of demons running around the devil torturing people i'm not a big horror fan but if you got these kind of elements i want to see that logical extension of it What was the last one?
1: Was the last one PG-13? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, because it feels a little bit more gritty than that. Are they trying to keep it in the same universe? Uh, My first question, is this a sequel to you guys, or are they starting over again? There's all sorts of mixed messages that I'm getting right from the get-go. To
2: me, this is right there with Punisher Warzone and The Incredible Hulk. I call it a soft reboot versus a hard reboot. It's like, well, we know that the last one had some problems. We're not going to bother telling you the origin story again. We're basically going to make a couple of retcons and change it a little bit. But it's pretty much the same thing. Now, the difference that Punisher Warzone and Incredible Hulk both have that this one didn't is a change of leading actor that really adds to the reboot feel. Here, Nick Cage back, I don't know why he's back, but... I think it's, again, a soft reboot. Neville Dean and Taylor said in interviews they've never seen the first one. They don't want to see the first one. They went into this with no knowledge of it.
3: This movie works. It could be a reboot, whatever you want. You don't need to see that old Ghost Rider that we talked about last week. And none of us say you should. (laughs) I mean, this film proves that your superhero movie, your comic book film, doesn't need to be a damn origin story every time for that first film. You get the necessary pieces of backstory. You get those necessary flashbacks so you have enough information, but then you could just tell a story. You don't have to go through, hey, let's hit all those plot points of issues, you know, 1 through 20 of the original comic book run that everyone's craving to see. And that's what I liked about this, is that they just moved on. It's, it's not Spider-Man that's coming out later this year that they're rebooting all over again. It's soft reboot, whatever. It's something that holds up on its own, and that's what I like.
1: But you're right, Arnie. The difference between all of these other soft reboots you're talking about is we're still looking at Cage. Cage being here is saying that this should be some carryover. And yet, he's not even playing the same character this time. I feel like a lot has changed, both for the actor and for the character in the last five years. And what's funny
2: is, in the last movie, the script that was delivered had Johnny as this tortured, drinking, sullen person. And Nick Cage said, you know, that's too cliche. Instead of whiskey, let's do jelly beans. And then in an interview I read about this time, it's like, it's a different Johnny. He's no longer eating jelly beans. Now he's drinking liquor. It's like, well, (laughs) that's what they wanted the first time you said no, Nick.
3: I think that's because he's eaten all the jelly beans because he looks about 20, 30 pounds heavier (laughs) in this film.
1: Cage looks bad, man. I I thought he really had been in some great shape in the last movie and really committed to the part. Here, I worry about him. I think he's in Brando Freefall. I think he's going to keep going that direction. I think that in three or four years, we're not even going to recognize him. He's going to be in the Val Kilmer Club, you know.
2: (laughs) My bet is that they didn't want Cage back. I don't think that they would have gone through a lot of trouble to bring Cage back, but contracts were signed. They probably had to say, Nick, you want to come back? And he's like, yes, I have a Ghost Rider tattoo and we're going to do it right this time. And I never say no to a movie because I do 24 a year.
1: Well, they are trying to foreclose on his property. I mean he's doing lots of movies right now. He's doing anything for a paycheck. You hate to see that for an actor, particularly one that occasionally can be brilliant, but I hate looking at him here. He looks bad. He looks unhappy. The anguish he's experiencing, it doesn't feel like a demon's inside of him. It feels like the bank's knocking at the door, not Ghost Rider. <laughs>
2: He has a different look here, too. They didn't go for the full-on hairpiece. There was a hairpiece, but it was more of a we-kind-of-all-know-he's-balding hairpiece.
1: Yeah. But one thing that they do fix here, it's a retcon, but... It was a big problem, a sticking point, really, for the last movie was that I felt like Johnny should have made a deal with the devil for selfish reasons. And here, it comes late into the movie, he actually opens up about why he chose to save his father, and he says, I did it for me. The dad wanted to die, I couldn't let him go, and I'm the one that made that choice for me. And now I don't know if I totally buy that, but I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the fact that they're at least trying to correct the things that were glaringly wrong about the character last time. No more jellies, no more monkey shows, and he made a selfish choice. They're tapping into something here. I feel like, all in all, Cage doesn't look better, but Johnny
3: Blaze does. Yeah, and I liked that he actually proactively cut his hand to put his blood on that contract. That was, I I hated how it was an accident in the last film. This time, he wants to make that deal with the devil. He was looking to do it.
2: I agree. That is definitely a needed fix. That said, because we're told all of this just in passing late into the movie, we're shown it at the very beginning. It's shown in a great, I love the sequence, the style of it. It's like animated in this weird, funky retro style. And it's like pages from a comic book that are moving and zooming. And the music during these scenes just Totally freaking rocked. I went out and got the soundtrack. I see it's only on iTunes so far, but love these opening scenes entirely. And when they go back to the style later on, I still love it.
1: What happened to Roxanne? Where's Eva Mendez? What's she got going that's better than this? (laughs) Anything.
2: She said she did not want to return when asked if she wanted to live up to that portion of the contract. I don't see where she would have fit. Maybe that's her just telling a cover story but she said she didn't want to return to the world of the Ghost Rider, and who can blame her?
1: It's a love story! Come on! You didn't want some of that rom-com in here, Arnie? I'm surprised. You kind of liked her.
3: I'm glad she's not here. I didn't want the rom-com. Again, guy on fire. I don't need it. Give me some action. Goodbye. Get rid of that love story. Axe it. burn it. It
2: is best to cut ties with the previous one. And again, maybe there was a contractual obligation. Hey, Eva. But no, it was the right choice to not have her here.
1: No, I didn't miss her either. I'm mostly Josh and you. I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> they don't need that storyline. It didn't work then. Yeah, I see some smart moves here. They're paring down what wasn't working, which was a lot from the last movie, and just throwing it out. I like the bike too. I mean, his bike last movie was cool, but this one, it's almost organic, right? It looks biomechanical. Like some of it's like human organs, and then some of it's metal, and it's all squishy and kind of glow. I thought it was a cool bike.
3: Yeah, I, I liked it when it was, I don't know if you call it in human form or regular non-demonic form. I mean, it was very road warrior, very mm. apocalyptic, and, and I liked that. It wasn't, you know, the shiny daredevil bike, because I guess he's not doing that thing anymore. He's hiding out in Turkey or Eastern Europe, wherever now.
2: And anything he drives turns into a hell vehicle, so... It's obviously not even supposed to be the same bike. Right. Makes sense.
1: Well, that's something that I've consistently liked. If nothing else about the series, they got good bikes in the Ghost Rider movies. And you know what? I'm digging that it's not a Western anymore. That was always something that was kind of not totally jiving with me. More for the way they did it than the fact that it was a Western. I like a good Western, but forget that now. There is no Sam Elliott. There is no calls and cues to the Old West. We're in Europe and this is Hell's Angels. It's Sons of Anarchy. It's not Deadwood to make a TV metaphor. And I think that was the right choice too.
2: Well, I did like the Eastern European thing. It took me back to our Blade 2 discussion. I like it when these films get more of a global feel. Even though most of the Marvel Universe takes place in New York City, I don't know. I just like it when we get a little bit of maybe some born globetrotting going on. It gives a different flavor and Eastern Europe can be seen as such a bleak place. And in addition, it just so happens to be very cheap to film
3: in. So it's Well, Arnie, that's why I was surprised when you said this had a big budget because it takes place in Eastern Europe and Turkey. This is where you go when you need to shoot on the cheap. You know, the Hellboy movies, at least the first Hellboy movie was filmed, I believe, Romania because it was cheap. So I like that they've moved out of the old west or new york wherever i like that it's somewhere else but this is where it surprises me that this thing had a big budget well
2: i honestly think all that money went to stunts and cgi i mean we're talking about the look of the thing look at ghost rider because he's looking damn good
3: this time I am in love with this Ghost Rider. I love the way he looks. I love the damn sound effects when you hear that whipping in the wind of the flame. I love the way he, it looks like his suit, his leather jacket's melting on him. It's like asphalt. It's great. Yes, I could almost smell like the burning leather whenever the Ghost Rider is on screen. I love the way he moves. I love everything about this Ghost Rider. No flaws for me with the actual character here.
1: It's a step up, for sure. I don't know that I would say I love anything about it, but I like the fact that the skull is charred and that we understand that he is actually burning. Here it does feel tactile. I just get a real physical, tactile sense to him, whereas last time it just looked like computer-generated bullshit. So, that's a step up, for sure.
2: Yeah, we all kind of commented on the CGI of the last one. Here, though, the bike, the rider, it just really worked for me. I love that you can see the vertebrae and his neck through the flame. I'm going to say, though, I couldn't see any of this shit in 3D. Only in the 2D version could I appreciate the gloriousness of the rider. In 3D, there was... So much cutting and so much fuzziness and everything that I didn't get as crisp a picture. But in 2D, this guy looks phenomenal.
3: Well, I want to see this in 2D now because I thought it looked great in 3D. I didn't think the 3D was great. Maybe I saw it at a good theater that lit it up well. So it, it didn't come off with the usual dimness or fuzziness that a lot of 3D viewings do if the theater isn't up to spec for their projectors and that. But I thought he looked great on the 3D screen. Nothing enhanced because of the 3D, but maybe it will look even better with that brightness you get from the 2D.
1: Even the voice, I got to say, by not having his mouth try to match his words, and it's just sort of ghostly this time. It's a voice that kind of floats on the air and doesn't even seem to originate from him. I thought that was the right choice, or at least a better choice than what we got
3: last time.
2: still hard to understand a damn thing he says, and still fortunate he doesn't talk much.
3: Yeah. Yeah. True. True. What did you think about his movements? Like, Arnie, you say acid. I felt like I was being hypnotized at times. He just kind of does these weird ghostly movements. He is very demonic. He does these weird floating things in the air. So people kind of lose their concentrate. Like, I just love the take they have on the writer in this film. I want to know why he danced
2: like a puppet, like a marionette a couple of times in the film. It's very strange, and this is a Cageism, I'm sure, because when I saw him at Comic-Con, Nick Cage is like, when do you see the writer, you see me this time. Last time it was all stuntman. I'm the writer this time. And, you know, you can kind of tell, because there's certain motions that you replace the writer's head with Nick Cage's maniacal face, and you'd be like, yep.
1: Maybe just take off the wig. I don't think, I don't know that there's that much looking different between Cage and the skull at this point. I'll be honest with you. You don't look good.
2: Let me tell you something, though. I am dying for the Blu ray of this because I pray, I pray they show some footage before they CGI'd the writer on because Nick Cage, he committed to this other than apparently working out. Yeah. He went and when he was playing the writer, he forced them to put giant black contact lenses in his eyes and painted his face all black and slicked his hair back so he could be, like, the writer's charred head. And don't you just want to see that?
3: Yes, yes. (laughs) I want to see it in this movie.
2: (laughs) I mean, every single actor around him in the Ghost Rider scenes, you have to take your esteem of their acting up five points to know that they're seeing Nick Cage in blackface with contacts. (laughs) (laughs) How can you keep your shit? I couldn't. Take 42. (laughs) Stop laughing. (laughs) But yeah, his movements are all over the place and confusing. I mean, yes, again, this whole movie feels a little hypnotic to me, but when he does some things he does, I don't get it.
1: I don't know if I hadn't seen the last movie that I would have understood what the penance stare is this time. This skull, like, hovers over people, and he just kind of looks at him. That threw me off here. I was waiting for it to do something, but there really is no effect that says, hey, he is putting them in this trance where they relive their past crimes it just kind of like he stops moving i don't know he's kind of <laughs> slow he's
3: the worst superpower ever i like that element a guy staring at you who's was a skull and on fire that's scary enough i don't need to see that they're seeing all their past lives like just the length of the time that pennant stare would go on mm-hmm. like this was not a quick stare it was this tense skull looking right at your face i don't know to me that's chilling enough super awkward
2: Yeah, I just, I don't see how it's effective and why he would do it. There's a group of eight bad guys. He decides to stare at one, giving the chance for the other seven to leave the country before he's done.
1: (laughs) He even gets us, too, in that early opening graphic. He's, like, popping out there to see if any of us have uh, pirated the movie. I thought that was kind of I
3: funny. love that. That, that <laughs> was the only good 3D in this whole film is when that skull's looking around and kind of the beams of light are going through the audience and telling you he's going to get you if you do any illegal downloads. I, I laugh. Mm-hmm. I like that.
1: I agree. It was fun.
2: I like anything they did in that animated style. Anytime they were telling backstory in that way, I thought it was wonderfully fun.
1: It was cool. I almost wasn't enough for my taste. They only really do it at the beginning to catch you up. They retell the story of his father dying just so that we all are on the same page. And then in the middle, we learn a little bit more about Rourke, our bad guy, Satan this time. Where's Peter Fonda? Because he's still among the living. Fonda wanted
2: to reprise his role too but he was not asked but in interviews he's like yeah I want to be back I want Mephistopheles to return.
1: Mm. Yeah they work into it that he just changes bodies all the time but Siran Hines is no spring chicken I mean they got an old dude he's not any more physically imposing he's a better actor but I wouldn't say that they necessarily changed it up radically in their view of Rourke and Mephistopheles.
3: I don't know if the devil needs to be physically imposing necessarily. Like, Rourke is much scarier than Peter Fonda. Like, this person's intimidating. I run into Peter Fonda in a dark alley. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to accidentally prick my finger to get you to sign that (laughs) contract. Rourke shows up. This is a nasty-looking guy. Maybe it's just because he's got better acting skills. I felt he had a more intimidating presence on the screen.
2: I disagree. I would say he's as intimidating, which is not very much. To me, his (laughs) performance here came across like one of the bad bit players from The Sopranos. He didn't feel like Satan. He felt like a Goomba.
1: Yeah, I get what you're kind of saying. I think it's the writing. I actually like this actor. He was just in A Woman in Black. He's the best thing about that. He was in the sequel to Happiness, believe it or not. He was in Munich. Harry Potter, he keeps turning up and stuff. I think he's a good character actor, and I agree, he's the right kind of evil. He doesn't necessarily threaten us, but there's just some quality about him that is ominous, and I like that. But they don't give him too much to do, and the fact that he wants to flee this body and become a 13-year-old boy, well, that's...
3: That's very satanic. (laughs)
1: I didn't really like that plot. I really feel like that isn't the story I wanted to see, even though they're making all these capital improvements and we're not reliving the origin story. I'm not convinced there are interesting stories yet for Ghost Rider, because this ain't it.
2: I had a lot of trouble. I mean, I got the first time I saw this. Yes, there's a little boy named Danny. It's the devil's child, and the devil wants to take over the body. I got those gist's. But what I didn't get the first time watching it was a lot of the how Johnny fit into it. I feel like we're back in Blade 2 and 3 territory. This isn't Johnny's story. This is Danny's. And that may fit because, Jacob, I didn't catch. Did you happen to catch if they said Danny's last name? Was it Catch?
3: I never heard it. They didn't put it in the credits. Everything online saying his last name's Catch. But it's not in the film. Is that
1: someone I should know?
2: He... Is the second ghost rider, the one who actually became popular in the comics. Johnny Blaze was the 70s, 80s ghost rider that never really caught on. When they brought him back in the 90s as the dark vigilante, it was Danny Ketch.
3: Who uh, was Johnny Blaze's long lost brother? Oh. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't even get into it. For someone who's a flaming skull, there's some complicated mythology with the Ghost Rider.
1: It made me think about Danny from The Shining, but that's probably just my horror leanings here. Another paranormal little kid.
3: When you say this isn't the story for you, Stuart, I don't know what you expect out of a Ghost Rider movie. I'm expecting a good Grindhouse B action movie. Sure. With children?
1: Yes! This kid couldn't go see the movie. He's under 13 at the start of it. I mean, I I feel like they're pandering here. I feel like they really sold Ghost Rider out to make him appeal wider to children because they felt like... As a credible grindhouse, R rated property, they just didn't want to go there. And so we have a kitty adventure. That's wrong.
2: I don't think this is a kitty adventure. You know what this kept bringing to me was Terminator 2. Yes. And this kid is almost a clone of young Edward Furlong in some shots. I mean, the likeness is incredible.
3: And also, how many horror movies are there that have little kids, Children of the Corn, you know, Damien? Is that pandering? Is that trying to get the 12-year-old boys to go see your film just because you have little kids playing the monster?
2: Hell, we have Exorcist, which we did last year, Stuart, and Linda Blair couldn't have gone and seen that.
1: No, my point is this is for them. This is him bonding them. They're giggling over peeing fire. They're doing tricks on the bike together. The whole thing is centered around the child. Unlike Terminator... where I felt like, yeah, John Connor was in there. They did more than pass John Connor around. There was the whole dreams of the apocalypse. There was all the whole sense that something big could happen. They had to find the designer of Skynet and bring him into the plot. Here, literally, I just feel like everything is about where's the kid now? He's kid over there, kid over here, kid over there, kid over here. And who cares? I hate to say it, but... Sure, his mom and him are going to be upset if the devil possesses his body, but it's not like the rest of the world is affected. It's just like him buying a new outfit.
3: Well, no, 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 no. The whole reason Rourke wants Danny is because Danny is half-demon. That that body will not wear out like all these other bodies have. Oh, I didn't get that.
2: Yeah, that was in there. It's all very sketchy, but I get the implication and... Honestly, I'm going to say this. I don't think this movie's about story. I think this movie is about visuals and the story is an afterthought. But I get the impression that of all these various groups of monks care, this means end of the earth. This is end of days type stuff.
1: I know that that was what they'd want us to think, but there's no reason to think that. At the end of the day, he gets to be 13 again. Okay, who cares? This sounds like the plot of a Disney comedy to me. This sounds like something for children. I wanted something violent and pulpy. You know, we keep talking about trashy fun and that Ghost Rider is supposed to be hitting those sweet spots. I just think it's the wrong impulse to go here. And it is this primary relationship in this movie. It's Johnny and the Kid. It is not a love story anymore. His mom is incidental. In fact, I forget that she's in the movie in the second half
3: and this is why i wonder what are those deleted scenes because we get these impulses for johnny to try to become like this father figure to danny why he sees a father and son bonding at a gas station so he tries to emulate that and that's what i didn't get why are they trying to force this story of a demon trying to become a father to a child it didn't make sense from what they portrayed on the screen
2: What was portrayed on screen I didn't quite get, but I went back again. This seemed Terminator 2 to me, you know, with Cage as the Terminator, and this is Edward Furlong, and the mother, I guess, is Linda Hamilton?
3: She likes guns, like Linda. It
2: seems to me like this kid is the one who can make or break the Earth, much like Edward Furlong was going to lead the Resistance. Johnny Blaze is the one brought in to protect the child, much like the T-800, and... The bonding scenes, it feels like Goyer, we got David S. Goyer back again writing the story for this and one of the three screenwriters, and I think he decided Terminator 2 was where Johnny Blaze needed to be.
1: Well, like I said, there's a lot more going on in Terminator 2 than the relationship between the kid and the Terminator. And
2: But that's the heart of that movie. I mean, it's not the body, but it's the heart.
1: Yeah, this is the only thing in this movie. And like I said, I don't really care, because it's not like Cage is going to step in to be the father. I think we're supposed to be some abstract feelings that he's transferring feelings about his own father dying and the kid, but. Maybe they relate because they're both touched by the devil. I don't know. It's trying something here. What I'm telling you is, I'm not interested. I'm not buying. I didn't buy a ticket for this.
2: I think it was because they were both touched by the devil. That's what I got from it. Danny doesn't really seem to care about Johnny until they start talking about their demonic sides. And, you know, it's like Johnny's the only one who can be a father to Danny because nobody else is going to get it. And apparently the mother runs around with drug runners and gun dealers. And so Johnny's a step up. You mentioned the peeing fire bit. I know a lot of people had problems with that in the trailer. I like that it's just Danny's imagining. It's not actually something that happens in the film.
3: I'll be honest, a little disappointed. I was hoping he's going to take out people by pissing fire on them. But talking about Terminator 2, because I definitely got that vibe as well. This is that scene, you know, where Arnold walks in with the Gatling gun and like does that weird little smile when they're imagining Ghost Rider pissing.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I don't
3: know. It seems like a weird thing to bond over is how your dad pees on things. But this is that Neville, Dean, and Taylor side of things, that cheeky, we're going to break taboos and we're going to talk about pissing on stuff. I like that. Because as a 13 year old kid, yeah, that would be really Impressive if you pissed fire.
2: But you say that this is the only thing we're given and that this isn't what you bought a ticket for, Stuart. Again, I say anything that comes out of anybody's mouth is incidental. This could have been a silent film. The whole point of this is, ooh, look at the pretty visuals. We're going to blow some stuff up and have some kinetic action. And we're going to go behind cars on rollerblades. And this is what you're there for. And that's kind of what Crank is. I mean, Crank isn't really about the story. And Crank 2 is especially not about the story.
3: But I love great action. It's like a ballet. I feel like I'm going back to cry kid days when I'm talking about why i like kung fu films there is something beautiful about well choreographed action well laid out thought out car chases that kind of thing and when you're talking about the art of capturing movement on film yes story is important but that can be just as important true when you're translating to this medium
1: i think it's to be expected god knows i am not here for the drama I am not here for the story, but I want to be engaged with where this is moving. And the truth of the matter is, it's not that it's all action, it's that the action does not serve a story. Yeah, I feel like these guys would rather be making jackass pranks, and they just happen to use this lame-ass Goyer plot to do that.
2: Yeah, that's, again, why I say it was a bit psychedelic. Stuff happens in this movie that is really cool looking but it seems to happen just for happening's sake I mean we open up with this great car chase and we get to see Moreau chasing after Danny and Nadia while Kerrigan's chasing after all of them and Moreau his bike gets hit and he flies backwards, he's flying over a bridge railing and shooting the way down. I mean, it's a great action scene, but the difference between a great action scene that is just cool to look at and a great action scene that can bring me in is caring about the characters, and this script does a poor job of ever making me care about these characters.
1: Yeah, they don't care. We don't care. And you're not to care. You're not here to enjoy that. And all right, I can accept that. I feel like, yeah, if it's going to move, it's going to move. Here's the problem with that scene that you just highlighted, Arnie. It was actually in the trailer. Most of the things that are cool, that are great little images, actually, I had already seen in the trailer. There's very little here that they do that I hadn't already seen by the time the lights went down and the movie started.
2: Oh, I disagree. I felt like the first ten minutes of the movie were in the trailer, and then the last one minute was in the trailer. But most of the middle of the movie I hadn't seen before.
3: Most of what happens in the middle of the movie doesn't need to be seen. And that's the problem here. I'm loving it when the Ghost Rider's on the screen. When he's not, I'm not very much engaged in this film. And he's not on the screen much. They pull a damn Superman 2 and take his powers away and infuriated me.
2: Yeah, it's total Superman 2. He only becomes the Ghost Rider, what, three times in the movie?
1: It is retcon here. At the end of the last movie, he was ready to use these powers against Satan. That's where I thought it was headed, that he is going to fight satan in all his forms using his own powers and that that would been the vengeance that to me is a spirit of vengeance what's he avenging here he wants to get rid of the powers it's coming on like onset of a fever and he wants to get a cure and i just didn't think that that was this character it's not like i dislike that conflict i just didn't think that that was Rider
2: it's not what was left at the end of the last one, and it again makes me wonder, in the last one it was at least explained that the Ghost Rider's the devil's bounty hunter, he's supposed to do the devil's bidding, he's not in control of the Ghost Rider, but eventually he learns to quell the fire spirit within him. Here, it's like, Okay, he sold his soul to the devil. Why'd the devil make him a superhero? I don't understand the devil's reasoning there.
1: Because he is this ghostwriter, he can find this kid. That's what the whole sort of plot is hinging on, is that no one else can find the kid, but he can because he has this devilish power, right? Well,
2: Moreau can. I mean, Moreau goes to the monks in the very first scene and says, I know where the kid is. The kid's here.
3: I know he wasn't able to just sniff him out, though. I think he had to do some detective work, unlike the Ghost Rider.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm getting at is here. What's aggravating is that Nicolas Cage, for the rest of the movie, pops up wherever the kid is, not through any other reason other than, yeah, I'm the Ghost Rider, I can do this. And there's no detecting, there's no finding, there's no figuring. No, 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 no. There
2: is, because the devil puts up the firewall that makes him not allowed to see the kid. In our first Ghost Rider scene, he just goes to where Kerrigan and the kid are because the kid has GPS for Satan people. But right after that first scene, then... They have to figure out where he is, and they have to go and investigate Kerrigan's friends.
1: Yeah, so that means, literally, Arnie, after they put the hex on the kid, meaning Ghost Rider can't find him, they walk into a giant arena where they're doing cage fighting and selling pigs and gambling. I don't know what the hell is. It's kind of like a criminal convention. It's like, <laughs> if you've ever done anything bad, come here this weekend. We'll be here all weekend, you can do something illicit and then they find the kid, and that's over. I mean, that's it.
3: Here's the biggest problem with that scene. Now, I think they're trying to set up the conflict that Cage is fighting off the writer because if he turns into the writer, he's going to kill Nadia because he loses all sense of control, and if you've done evil, he's going to kill you. I think that's what the conflict is. Arnie, you've seen it twice. You could probably speak better to it than me, but I think that's why Cage spends so much time trying to fight off the writer, but I was infuriated that you go into Evil Con, he starts to ghost out, But he holds it back, and there's not even a scene of the place just, like, going off in a mushroom cloud, at least. Like, he did one last thing before he left there. Like, total missed opportunity. Again, are they trying to keep this PG-13? Was there a scene there where he ends up taking everyone out and is just too violent? Like, that's what I want to see. I don't want high art here. I want a good Grindhouse B action movie. And they're missing those scenes like that.
1: And I'm wanting sleuthing. If you don't know where the kid is, I want to see you figure out how to get there. One of the things that they cited here, one of the reasons they said we're going to Europe and dealing with this child of the Antichrist and all is they wanted to go Da Vinci Code. Believe it or not, that was the model. If they want to have a Da Vinci Code art clue kind of storytelling. Well... It certainly isn't that. I think we're all in agreement this is about as far from Da Vinci Code as you could get. These are Cage's words. This is what he said in the promo material. Da Vinci Code. Hell, he was closer to that with National
3: Treasure. That I've seen, and, and yes, I, there's no sleuthing as there is a National Treasure in this film. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> i am agreeing with you, Arnie.
2: <laughs> but you know what there is? is a lot of ass-kicking. I mean, in the first scene where Kerrigan is... Taking Danny, and he's about to kill Nadia, and the Ghost Rider comes in, and that's where we get the pen and stare that goes on way too long.
1: We get the Transformer sound effect, too. Did you notice he kind of sounds like, uh, I don't know, one of those things when he, like, shows up? It's like,
3: Err!
2: I thought it was like a velociraptor roar that yeah. he sounds like. I,
3: I, I was thinking Predator.
2: Yeah, it was some weird sound that accompanied him that let him know it was coming, though, and they shoot him a couple times with a grenade launcher. <laughs> And that's enough to take him out of the fight. Because the next scene, and this is one of the times that I thought I'd either fallen asleep or been knocked out or had a drug flashback. He's shot with a grenade launcher, wakes up still in leather pants in a hospital bed. And then we get some really weird things. He's like asking for morphine. He has weird wounds on him. I'm confused. Seeing it twice, I'm still a little bit confused. I think those wounds were caused by the grenade launcher. I don't know. I don't know why he was begging for pain
1: meds. I never have understood this character. Is he invincible when he's Ghost Rider? He does spit back bullets when people fire at him. You could
3: throw some water on him.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what hurts Ghost Rider. I'm not sure what his limitations are.
3: What confused me is they make a big deal out of this missile that sucks the air out. Okay, that makes sense because without air you can't have a flame, but there was no payoff for it. There was some cool floating in air slow-mo as you're getting hit with this missile effect. But there was no payoff for it, I felt, as as far as showing, hey, here's the kryptonite for Ghost Rider.
1: Yeah, I agree. Every time they introduce something that has the potential to be complete badassery, a whole convention full of badasses, yeah, these arms dealer that's going to sell them the latest and greatest rocket launchers. Oh my, I can't wait for this. It deflates. Nothing really comes of it. Everything just transpires so easily. They hop from A to B to C with no work. I'm going to just say this is Goyer. I had these problems with Blade, I'm having them here as well. It's all about how hip and flashy something can look. He does not care about how it moves, and it's obnoxious. See, and both times I saw
2: this movie, I'm like, why are they at a gun dealer? Why do they need the guns? Why don't they just take Danny to Satan and... Then they shot him. I couldn't figure out what hurt him the first time. It was the grenade launcher, I guess. So I don't know why a grenade launcher puts him in the hospital, but a frickin' bunker buster, he just
1: continues to ride. It's annoying. It's happenstance. Make a friend of it because nothing makes sense. <laughs> You're in caged land and he's uncaged. And uh, you can't ask why in this series. You just cannot.
2: I do love this, though, when the Bunker Busters are firing at the rock quarry, and I'm not going to ask why they are at a rock quarry.
1: They are at the rock quarry so they can do the coolest thing they're going to do in the whole movie. Yes.
2: Oh, isn't it cool? I don't know what to call that machine, a rock breaker or something, but after Ghost Rider realizes they've got big freaking guns that just, if nothing else, the inertia prevents me from staring at them, I'm going to go into this rock buster, and anything he drives becomes hellish. And they tease me. They're like, what if you're on a roller coaster? And I'm like, oh, I want to see yes! that. I want to <laughs> see the roller coaster that Ghost Rider rides. Because I We talked about the bike, but I just love how, like, the innards of all of these machines look like glowing embers. And everything is just so hellish and so almost Giger-like with the difference of biomechanics and fire. And so when he gets in that machine and it becomes a flaming construction machine, I love the visual.
1: Yeah, I agree. It competes with anything we saw in Transformers. It's the one moment in the film where they've hit the trash sweet spot inside of me. I'm like, they got my sweet spot. I'm orgasming. It's fun to see Ghost Rider ride a flaming construction rig.
3: And what I love is just the joy that Ghost Rider is getting out of this. Again, when Ghost Rider's on the screen, I'm loving this movie. He's so animated. I agree, Arnie. This could be a silent movie because I get everything I need to know from the way Ghost Rider moves. For a skeleton, he's surprisingly expressive. Just He's orgasming too, Stuart, as he controls this giant hellish rock crushing machine. I love the joy he gets out of this.
1: No, it's Nick Cage. How can he not? He's never happier than when he's being trashy. And, you know, they let him do it here. Yeah,
2: there's nobody reigning in Nick Cage. They're more worried about camera angles and stunts than they are about acting
3: knowing neville dean and taylor i don't think they wanted to rein in nick cage i think this is what they want you know again going back to that club scene just i had no idea what was going on with cage there just wigging out and and people in the theater were just cracking up and i think they probably encouraged that they wanted him at his cagiest yes
1: i agree that seems to be their style as out there as we can go push it to its limits any line reading, as long as it's unexpected, is a good one, and that should be a good match for Cage. But I, I rarely feel he actually matches them with their energy. I actually feel like he was weirder in the last movie. I agree in some
2: ways. I kind of miss the Karen Carpenter bit. In fact, there's one scene where they're like, you must confess the thing that you don't want anyone to know. And I really thought he was going to say, I used to listen to the Carpenters a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but by the same token, I think he was at his cageiest during that scene where he's interrogating the guy, where's Kerrigan going? Before the Rock Quarry fight, that is cage-
3: It's a crazy scene.
1: Yeah, that moment and another one where he's riding the bike and he's just sort of laughing and laughing and laughing and it's getting fast.
2: And that's right after that scene. It's all the same thing.
3: That makes sense there. The interrogation was weird, but when he's riding and transforming, it's no longer a painful thing. He's getting orgasmic joy out of becoming the Ghost Rider now and it shows.
1: Yeah, but here he kind of passes the torch. From this point on, I feel like Ghost Rider stops being cool. Well, he even kind of stops being in the movie. And they pass the cool torch to Kerrigan. Kerrigan dies. Some giant piece of cement falls on him, and he's more or less dead.
2: And again, I'm not going to ask why, but it pissed me off. The last time we saw him, Ghost Rider just tossed him, and then when we come back, he got crushed under something.
1: This pisses you off. This pisses you off. A lot
2: of things, including this, piss me off.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, at least you're pissed off. And so when Rourke comes to him, he wants to die. He's like, no, I'm dead. Leave me alone. And he keeps trying to go. Rourke turns him into a new emissary. And we got, hey, what we always get, the uh, unnamed super bad guy underling, the treasure, (laughs) Wallow. Here it is. Here's this movie's version of that.
2: It was reminding me of the girl with the poison kiss from Elektra. But this is a guy from the comics, Blackout. Kind of.
3: Blackout's a character that literally can take the light away and attack you, and and they kind of do that effect, and I think that's what I hate most about this film, whenever they go into—it's not even Blackout's point of view, because you see him Mm. running around, it's this just bad— Photoshopped effect, but he is a demonic character from the comics. Uh, he doesn't decay you with his touch, but yeah, inspired. You know, you tell Goyer read some Ghost Rider comics.
2: I like this character of kerrigan Johnny Whitworth. I primarily know him from Empire Records, but I've seen him in a bunch of other stuff and. I like his performance here, but I think it's weird. Before he turns into Blackout, it's kind of reminding me of Stephen Dorff from the first Blade. I'm getting that kind of bad boy vibe off of him.
3: I'm getting Blade all over this. Movie. Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you guys. Blade all the way, but enjoying it more.
2: But then when he becomes Blackout, all of a sudden it's like they wanted Bill Mosley. Bill Mosley was busy, so they're like, can you act like Bill Mosley if we put you in a fright wig?
1: It's so funny you said that. That's Chop Top you're talking about, right?
2: Yeah, Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw. He was in House of a Thousand Corpses.
1: Absolutely. I'm like, there's something about it. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know why it's not even a superhero thing. But I'm like, I keep going back to Chop Top. I'm glad someone else is feeling that. I kind of like the performance too and I'm going to emphasize the kind of part. I mean I didn't love it but I think what I liked about it was rather than him just turning into a badass and being ooga ooga we're watching him learn his powers and kind of being impressed with them. He's like oh that's kind of cool. He touches an apple and it falls and then yeah they do the Twinkie joke of that doesn't decompose that pretty much anything that isn't plastic or you know chemically processed well anything organic to his touch will destroy itself and rather than him just being a generic bad guy we see on looks in his face what that means and watching him process now that he's this disfigured
3: but kind of more powerful person
2: did your audiences love the twinkie joke as much as both of mine
3: Yep. I love the Twinkie Joke. As soon as he picked it up, I knew it was coming, but it was a good show. You know, if you've seen Zombieland, a whole series of Twinkie Jokes in that movie. I always like a good Twinkie Joke.
2: It was amusing. I'll give it that. I feel like this was a much better villain than Rourke, though. I really do. I feel like Rourke, again, he's an old man. When he creates blackout here his eye goes all bloodshot for the rest of the movie his face kind of withers it looks like he had a stroke and again I feel like Rourke is just this old guy who he makes deals well all right that I don't really get evil off of him blackout is great but the problem is he's just a henchman with no real motivations at all and his ties to Nadia are also poorly explained I guess they used to be lovers
1: they used to be lovers He's kind of upset that someone else impregnated her, that Danny isn't his kid. You know, it's a relationship. It's certainly not an explained relationship. My problem is Nadia. She's the big zero in this whole thing of, Who cares about her when she's literally just here to fill the chick quotient?
2: You said that you thought this was a horror movie, Jacob. The only time I get chills is picturing Rourke on top of Nadia.
3: (laughs) That's pretty horrific, Artie. You gotta admit, I
0: mean, come on.
1: Not to mention that she'd be bleeding and dying at the time. (laughs) Definitely not hot. Well,
2: that's what Rourke may be into. You never know. He's the devil.
1: Yeah, But she, come on, I mean, they don't even know what to do with her. This is not a love story. She's not Linda Hamilton tough. She's obviously a beautiful woman, but she's not sexy in this. She doesn't do anything to titillate. She's just literally just some gypsy that floats in and out of the story whenever they need somebody as a marksman. But that's it.
2: Yeah, I was very confused at the end when she becomes a marksman because I never got that from her before. No. I knew she hung with Kerrigan and went on drug runs, but just because you sell guns doesn't mean that you're a sharpshooter. No. So when she, at the end, breaks out the long-range scope, I'm like, whoa.
3: I got the sense that she was into guns. I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and rewatch this to figure out where I got that sense. Well, you got
2: that sense from the one scene where Moreau takes them to the monk's gun hideout and she goes, Moreau, I no longer dislike you or something to that effect. It's it's the guns that make her warm to Moreau.
3: There you go. I mean, for me, be action movie logic I can't say it makes sense, but it was effective enough for me. I've seen enough movies like that where that one cue worked. I like that this was not a love story. I like that, yes, there's a woman, but she's just there. She might shoot some people. She'll fight every once in a while. Thank God I finally could have a superhero movie where it doesn't have to be about rescuing the damsel in distress and the love story.
2: It's the child in distress. I don't see uh, why the gender makes a difference.
3: Yes, but he's a demonic
2: child.
3: He's not interesting
1: in any way, is the problem, as a supporting character, to which I would say, from a writing standpoint, you axer. You got the sidekick. It's Moreau, and you know what? I do like him, so let's just stick with Idris and screw everything else the kid was living on his own as a pickpocket and there you go they did not need to have this beautiful woman other than you know from a marketing standpoint that they want to have a beautiful woman in this
2: well again it's bad when i'm going back to electra but i was thinking gordon Vishnick back from electra and the treasure this boy is the treasure and they wanted to kill gordon viznick halfway through electra I think you should have killed Nadia halfway through this movie. Make Blackout, make that his first kill. Yeah. Make him into Blackout, make him kill Nadia and take Danny. You've now had Blackout get his revenge on the cheating hoe bag Yeah. And you've shown he's dangerous enough to kill a main character, and you take this worthless character out of the mix.
1: No, I like it. You're right. That is the correct solution. A character that we thought was important is taken out, and yeah, you're right. That's better. But Moreau, I mean, kind of fun here. The drunk French priest. I like Idris. I'll just go ahead and say he's going to be in Prometheus. He will always be Stringer Bell to me from The Wire. A great character. I like him every time I see him. He was in 28 Weeks Later. I don't know that this movie utilized him that well, but it was good to see him here.
2: You're going to see him again in a couple of months in Thor.
1: Oh, okay. Didn't know.
2: Which is where I know him from. Thor was the first movie where they put him in these freaky-ass contact lenses. They decided to put him back in him for here. I don't get what Moreau is. Is he a priest? Is he a monk? Is he a biker? Is he all of the above? I
1: mean... Yeah, he's definitely part of this Catholic order, at least my sense is that they're all Catholics here, and that Christopher Lambert is part of this weird cult that knows stuff, like they're the Illuminati, per se, and that, yeah, Moreau's just sort of a renegade priest.
2: I wish that it had been a little more defined, because he shows up at the beginning with this group of monks led by Anthony Head from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, quickly offed.
1: Yeah, that was weird, huh? (laughs) I knew him only enough to know that he was somebody, and then when he gets shot, I'm like, did he just have a day free to show up on set? (laughs) And wear a robe? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So he shows up there, and he's arguing with them, so you get that he's some kind of renegade, but he's got these affiliations with all these monks. It almost felt like they had something. Like they were almost there to like this Clive Barkery type thing of yeah. the Harry Damore type character. I really would have liked to have seen Moreau fleshed out a bit more.
3: No, yeah. I'm I'm right there with you, Arnie. I wish all these different cults and sects there was more there. I mean, one of the things in one of the more recent Ghost Rider stories written by Jason Aaron, they get into the spirit of vengeance, and I think they took some of those key story points from his run. But you get all these different Christianity sects and, and cults, and they're fleshed out. You have this whole nunnery where they're also secret ninjas because it's comic books. and Ninja nuns are cool. Yes. I was just saying. Nun chucks, <laughs> literally. I love it. <laughs> so I, I wish they would have done deeper. I mean, I don't know how... Boundary pushing it is to show Christianity in this light. I think at one time it was, but I wish they really would have pushed that further and explored these different sects going on.
1: Hey, Catholicism is validated here. It works. Moreau says that he can cure Johnny of Ghost Rider, and it actually works. He takes communion, he blesses him, he tells him about it's an angel, not a demon inside of him. All of this I feel like is very Christian, Catholic, validating here. The only bad thing you could say is that he's kind of a drunk. He's a Frenchman.
2: I mean, he only drinks wine. Isn't that what French people do? Yeah, I don't
1: feel like it's that satirical of a character. I think it could have been a really cool character. You're right. I want Him on screen a lot more than I wanted Nadia. You know what else I thought honestly
2: in the footage at Comic Con, I saw him fly over the cliff on a motorcycle. I saw him up there. I knew he was kind of a badass from Thor and these other movies. I thought for sure he was going to be a second Ghost Rider. There's several around. you know. There's a lot of Ghost Riders and evil Ghost Riders in the Marvel Universe and things. I thought for sure they were setting him up to be the partner. And instead, they just off him. And again, I really wish he'd been more delved into.
1: I hate that they killed him. He does get one good headbutt in. Kerrigan grabs him and turns him into stone. And as he's going, he uses his stone head to give him a headbutt. That was nice. But yeah, why did they have to kill him? I just feel like that was a mistake. But then again, Gw- warrior always killed chris christopherson and he came back so maybe if there's a ghost rider 3 we'll see Idris again
2: but idris does cure johnny of being the ghost rider and i'm thinking oh god superman 2 how many times do we see it i've lost my power but i'm going to need to do something to take it back
3: yeah this annoyed me a lot because i already know we're going to get ghost rider by the end of this film because there's stuff in the trailer that i saw that i haven't seen yet (laughs) So so someone's going to ghost out. It should have been Moreau.
1: I never really understood what Ghost Rider could do. It took so long to get to him in in the last movie, and all he kind of did was drive up the side of the building and sling some whips around and and laugh. I really don't understand what he could do. I feel like you could have this story in a future movie, but we didn't need to see him want to get rid of his powers when we'd never really seen him properly use his powers. I think you have to establish things first. We needed a mission in which Ghost Rider used to full. Full of advantage the things that satan gave him against satan i think that is stronger than i want to get rid of it already
3: before we know what it is well Stuart, the whole reason he wants to get rid of it is because he realizes he can't do good it is not a spirit of justice it is a spirit of vengeance he calls it out early i can't save anyone i can't save danny that's not what this demon does it only gets vengeance and that's why he wants to rid of it because he can't do good with it he can only kill
2: But it only does vengeance on bad people. Now, that bad thing, maybe I cheated on my SATs, but, you know, if you've done something bad, the writer will... We
1: don't know what he's done to the people that pirated the movie.
2: Apparently, he just went up to them and went, (laughs) hungry, and snapped his jaw, and then stared at them for a long time, making gooey eyes. Till they deleted the file. (laughs) (laughs) Admittedly, if he got all up in my face till I hit delete, all right, all right, all right. I also just don't like the way in which the, I guess, for lack of a better term, exorcism occurs. Because he's trapped in this... So Johnny goes into this cave all alone after he gets the communion, and... He just starts screaming, writhing, and then we go into this full CGI thing of Ghost Rider flailing, chains are coming out of his mouth. And here's where I realized in my 3D viewing, I have to go back into the 2D viewing because Neville Dean and Taylor love the jittery camera and the shaky cam and everything. I don't think that style of filmmaking works in 3D. I think... All of these action scenes are lesser in 3D.
1: The 3D in general is kind of unremarkable here. I feel like the screen, the field of depth is divided in two. There's stuff in the foreground and stuff in the background, and that's what the 3D defines. And that they use this little trick, they do it a lot, where they have lens flares on here, and that lens flares help create the idea of depth that really isn't there But there's a lot of flaring on the camera. You know, I like lens flares. I like that. That's a 70s cinema technique. But for 3D, I just feel like there really was no reason for this to be in 3D other than obviously, for charging more money.
3: And again, with Neville, Dean & Taylor's reputation, I thought maybe they could do something fun with the 3D that it would play up as a gimmick as I think 3D, in my personal view, it should be a gimmick if you're going to be using it. You should have stuff coming out at the audience. Go listen to Final Destination 5. It worked for me in that.
1: This is post-conversion, too. This is We're back to Green Lantern here. I haven't seen 3D in this style. Usually when I see it, it was at least 3D cameras, but I guess they didn't want them hooking up 3D cameras to roller- Gates or whatever.
2: And here's the thing that shocked me is, I really thought, and it's the marketing, I thought the way that this was being marketed as Ghost Rider 3D, and the bike is coming off the poster at you, that this was filmed in 3D, and good on those marketers for trying to make us think that, because I'm on the record... Even Phantom Menace, anything post conversion, I think should be seen in the original artist vision of 2D. Neville Dean Taylor, when I found out it was post-converted, I did some research. They said, We're gonna shoot the movie the way we want to shoot the movie, and what the converters do with it, they can do with it, but we're making our movie the way we want. And I having seen it both ways, 2D was very visceral, very action-packed, and I liked the look of things a lot better. On 3D, I don't have problems with 3D, but one of the reasons I thought I might have had, like, a blackout is because my eyes were hurting, and I wanted to close them after an hour of this movie. I couldn't take the strain of the jitter cam and the false illusion of three
3: dimensions. Arnie, you're selling me on the 2D version of this. I wish I would have seen it because I felt a lot of the action, it didn't have that kinetic energy that I thought it would have with these directors. And maybe it's the
2: 3D's fault. And what's really funny to me is some of the scenes that I thought were better 3D here, because with post-conversion, there's always some scenes better than others. Some of the scenes is like when they're writing the motorcycle in the mountains. And I'm like, ooh, look at the depth of the mountains. I'm watching it in 2D. It had that same exact depth to it. So I'm like, all right. I I just was giving 3D more credit than it deserves. This is a hack job of post 3D conversion. And, no, it really made me want to close my eyes repeatedly. And it got worse during Johnny Blaze's exorcism when those chains are supposed to be coming out at me and Ghost Rider's just floating around and all of that. And I'm like, I just can't look at it anymore. And every time I'd look away, then I'd look back and, like, we're in a totally different place with totally different people for no apparent reason. So that's what made me go back, and I'm glad I did. The 2D version, far superior. Still a shitty story.
1: But... (laughs) But as useless as I feel like ultimately Moreau is, I- at least I liked him. Christopher Lambert, why would you agree to shave your head, have all this henna Latin written all over your face to do one scene in a cloak and then get axed? I mean, I thought he was going to be a major character when he finally shows up. And I knew that he was going to make the choice to kill Danny. Uh, didn't we all see that coming? Yes. I mean, that was no way that they had found safety that early in the movie. <laughs> the monks were going to have to be, well, we have to kill him. I actually thought what would
2: happen happened. I didn't see the kill Danny twist. I thought Blackout was going to come and kill them all, and he does. But I didn't think they were going to kill Danny. I just thought the safe place wasn't as safe as they thought it was. Mm,
1: okay, well, I just suspected that he would reach the conclusion that he did. But it's all over so quick. I just feel like... I know he's not a big star anymore, but this is Highlander here. There are geeks that care about this guy. We wanted to see him do something more than this, right?
2: I really thought he would. I knew he was in it going in because of the credits list. I thought he'd be a much bigger part. I love his look here. And man, for an older guy, he really looks good with a shaved head. He looks like he has no wrinkles. Maybe he has the best plastic surgeon in all of latverrier wherever this was filmed but
1: nicholas cage take note <laughs> <laughs> here's a portrait of aging gracefully and without hair
2: but yeah i was shocked to see him doing as little as he does that said i love his performance here i like this guy you said there are geeks out there who like him i'm one of them love him in mortal combat love his performance here again Like Idris, I wish there was more of them. I wish this had been more Blade 2 and that they'd fleshed out some of these supporting characters to the Ghost Rider and given him a posse.
1: Actually, Blade 2 didn't flesh out the characters, but I know what you mean. I wish that there was more cool characters here.
2: Would Blade Trinity be better if he was the Patton Oswald?
1: Well, I, I'm getting Blade <laughs> all over this, I'm telling you. I it's, feel, it's
2: like Blade and Electra had a fiery baby.
1: Yeah, it it really is, and I'm curious to know when we come down on the recommends, you guys were early supporters of Blade, how this is all going to play out. But I'm struggling with it, because it is pushing cool and flash over storytelling. And before we know it, we're at the end and they're in a Greek ruin and all of the world leaders that are actually satanic supporters have arrived for Danny's birthday party I guess who even knew it was his birthday like that got dropped all of a sudden Of like, oh by the way it has to be on his 13th birthday at the break of dawn okay that the was said in the dawn, first scene
3: that, yeah that you, was early on Stuart I, no, what
1: I'm saying is they did not say oh we're gonna get you this for your birthday or your birthday's coming soon they did not establish the kid is about to turn 13 and all of a sudden he's about to turn 13 at the break of dawn so whatever it doesn't matter put on the cloaks mumba 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 we've seen this before it's the temple of doom the kids in peril and they got to go save him without the aid of ghost rider that's kind of interesting right how will nick cage fight without you know being a flaming skull it's a good question i wish that there'd been a little
2: bit more of a plan other than we have guns let's go and a bit more of johnny deciding to do it because he's like if i don't save this boy i've just traded one demon for another I just wish there was more there, but it, that's not what this movie's about. This movie's about visuals and action, and just getting us there for whatever reason. And I gotta learn to live with that.
1: Yeah, and they bump off Moreau, and Nadia's is hanging in the back with a gun. And she
2: disappears for like fifteen minutes there.
1: She can stay gone. <laughs> I'm good with it. <laughs> Basically, they're already doing some kind of yoga poses where Seren Hines is jumping into the body of the boy. Is the boy going to jump into his body?
3: No,
2: he'll just be gone. Erased is the word they use. Okay. That would be funnier.
3: <laughs> Do we need a remake of the George Burns, what, 18 again, and <laughs> Kurt Cameron with Nick Cage in it? <laughs> I thought that's what this was. The last one was a rom-com. This one's a switcheroo. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're pandering to kids. This feels like a Disney movie. Though. Oh, <laughs> Okay, I don't I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen a Disney movie. This isn't what I remember, Stuart. I
2: love how they just bring all these evil people in. I was hoping for more jokes because at one point they say the devil has many bodies and they show Jerry Springer. I was hoping when they said all these rich, famous, wealthy people were supporters of the devil, that we'd get some cameos.
3: Yeah, this is where I feel like Neville Dean and Taylor, the studios were putting pressure on them to not do their thing. How do you drop a bomb that here's the most influential people in the world – and we don't get some jokes thrown in about who these people are. They just walk in with their black cloaks. Again, I felt like there's cut scenes here that flesh this stuff out. Throw in, you know, whatever political or celebrity jokes you want. Yeah. A Bill Gates look alike.
1: It isn't very impressive. You talk about it's all about the visuals. Well, I don't even think those are very good. For the rest of the movie, it's just kind of grab would-be fight. Uh, you realize, without his powers, Cage is nothing. I mean, and I guess that's why they give it back to him lickety-split. The kid's like, oh, now I have your powers? Well, then I'm just going to do this and Ghost Rider can ride out.
3: How awesome, though, is it that this climactic scene is a 13-year-old kid barfing in an <laughs> old man's mouth? Like, this this is Neville Dean and Taylor. This is some weird fetish thing going on here.
2: I did think of it as regurgitating the Hellraiser.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, Maybe. It wasn't that subversive. I, and frankly, like so much of this, it just was so easy to do. I get real confused at this point. The Dawn Breaks. It's over, right? The devil should have the kid at this point. Instead, they all get on the road for a final fight on the highway. And the kid is the kid, and the devil can't get into him. What even happened with that?
3: They interrupted the seance. How much more ooga-booga did they have to do? Did you see the shadow slowly transferring over to the boy? It hadn't gone all the way. No. Stuart, how many horror films have you seen where that... I mean, isn't this all of Child's Play? Every film, that slowly the serial killers... Give me the power, I yeah. beg
2: of you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I believe I had those issues on Child's Play.
2: <laughs> but yes, the ceremony was almost there until Moreau came in, fired Azuzi When... Blackout grabs Johnny Cage. It bothers me that it's just such a movie cliche. I have the good guy, but now I'm going to kill him slowly. And then they just let... Danny walk up to him when Danny doesn't want to be there, and all of a sudden you're just going to let him go right up and barf on the guy. It, it's such a James Bond, I will kill you later, type of thing. It's lazy.
1: Nothing about this ending is good. When it spills out on the road, what killed Blackout? The penance stare? I don't even know. I don't It was the penance stare. They
2: should have done something visual. You know, they shouldn't have done what they did last movie, but even in the comics, when you get the penance stare... Flames come in the writer's eyes, flame comes in the victim's eyes. If there had been a visual cue to the pen and stare, it would have been clearer. But yes, I love the fist fight, though, between Ghost Rider and Blackout. I mean, they're on this, like, hillbilly truck that became a hellbilly truck. And that's a cool visual. And, like, Ghost Rider knocks Blackout off the side and is looking over, like, where'd he go? And he's coming up the back. I love that fight. It did end a little easily with the going into the Blackout cam, and then I've never been afraid of you. But we know that's not true, because he was getting bunker busters. Then... They do the pen and stare and roadkill. That's not even a good comeback line.
1: You know what? Only one person in the audience laughed at roadkill. And that's almost worse than getting no laughs. Because if no laughs happen, you might just think, well, that's not supposed to be funny. That's a laughing on the inside kind of joke. But if roadkill gets one (laughs) laugh, everyone else in the theater realizes, yeah, that really isn't funny, is it? Terrible line. Terrible ending. Even getting Rourke, I thought it was kind of cool that, you know, he gets the chains on him and what, throws him into the Earth's core, I think is what happens. He He says go
2: home. It's hard to understand the Ghost Rider, but on the second viewing, I was able to hear go home, so he's
3: sending him back to hell. Okay. And again, I'm confused. I don't know if I'm any more confused than half of these Marvel movies or half the action movies I've seen where they come up with some plot device to explain how the hero wins the day. I don't know how sending the devil back to hell where he would be strong because they call out that on Earth he's weak. I was waiting for the giant monster, the giant devil to arise. I mean, after this big car chase, that this defeat of Rourke was anticlimactic.
2: Absolutely. This is where it drives home that Rourke is an impotent old man. He is nothing without Blackout. He is the mafioso and with the goons he's nothing at all
1: and they already show these clips in the trailer too i want to point out all this stuff with the chains and throwing them around you've seen it
3: You have no idea who it is or what's going on. You don't know the context of it, though.
1: Well, yeah, you don't know the story, nor, I think we can all agree, do you need to. My (laughs) point is, all of the best visuals were spilled. You don't need to see this movie. It was already in the trailer.
2: No, I think that seeing the glory of the hell construction machine and the hellbilly truck is much better in more than a fraction of a second clip. But yes, the... Throwing into hell was in the trailer, and it really, when Rourke is going into hell, it occurs to me that I'm just hating how ill-defined the Ghost Rider is. He can survive bunker buster bombs and throw people into hell. He can do anything at any time. He has no limits, and nothing is a danger to him, and that is a problem for me. But there was this whole bit of exposition, which I included in my plot summary about the origin of the spirit and this is i guess comic accurate about
3: xerathos It's hard to understand even in the comics, but yes, they've taken this from the comic mythology.
2: That he was an angel of protection that became a spirit of vengeance, and I don't know exactly why Nick Cage starts laughing maniacally, and his hand turns into a blue skeleton hand. The only bad CGI of the whole movie is that blue skeleton hand. Yes. It feels like it's not there at all, and he brings Danny back to life, because the Ghost Rider killed Danny.
1: Is that what happened?
2: He grabbed the axle of Rourke's car... Flips the car, and earlier we saw Danny smart enough to buckle up before a crash. I guess he didn't buckle up. He's dead because of the Ghost Rider.
1: But you know what? He broke his ankle earlier and then it healed. He's a magical kid. I don't feel like he needs protection from any other creature to live forever. He's touched. He's just like Ghost Rider. He's kind of invincible.
2: Well, here it takes the angel Zatharos. Cage has channeled the angel portion instead of the demon portion and resurrects Danny. And that's supposed to be a happy ending for Cage, I guess, because after being tormented by the spirit of vengeance that can only hurt those around him, he's finally been able, perhaps by owning the demon and allowing himself to be turned back in for selfless reasons this time, this time it was just to save the boy, he's now the spirit of protection instead of a spirit of vengeance
1: i guess
3: you say you guess Stuart. like you think this is on transformers level of nonsensical movies yeah no no come on this is maybe green lantern maybe blade yeah. i mean I, I feel this is yeah it, yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> you, but Stuart, to you it's all the same like to me yeah there's degrees
2: to me it's not the same and i would say this is getting down there with electra level and electra's around transformer level but blade i feel is far above it if you're me to rank the nonsensicalness. I still think story is an afterthought here.
3: In all these comic book movies. I think it's an afterthought. I mean first class. Yes. Some of those early X-Men films. Where they had people who cared about story. But I think a lot of these. Yeah. It is an afterthought. And that's why we give them a lot of red arrows. <laughs> But there's a balance there. And yeah, there's nonsensical stuff, but I don't think this movie has transversed that line so far worse than Blade. I mean, to me, you guys keep bringing up Blade. This is reminding me a lot about Blade, and I'm enjoying this one more.
1: You guys recommended Blade, as I recall. I gave it
3: a week not recommend.
1: Okay, well, then maybe we should get to the recommends.
3: Jacob Stewart,
2: do you recommend Ghost Rider? Spirit of Vengeance, Jacob.
3: Is there flash in this movie? Yes, I love the effects of the writer. I think he looks great. The 3D wasn't great, but I could almost smell the burning leather and oil from that motorcycle, from the flaming skull. I loved how he looked. There's some great action pieces in here, especially the flaming hell rock crusher thing. There are story problems. There's a weak middle here. I hate the fact that they do the Superman 2 thing and take his powers away because I enjoyed the effects of the writer so much. If that was Cage in the motion capture suit, Think I thought he did a great job as the ghostwriter, the way he moved and all that. But at the end of the day, this is a grindhouse B action flick to me. This is a Dolph Lundgren Punisher. This is Blade, and I enjoyed this more than Blade. I probably enjoyed this more than Dolph Lundgren Punisher, and I recommended that. I liked the action here. Great story? No, but I thought it was a simple story. It made enough sense for me to go along with it. Yeah, there's a few times I rolled my eyes, and I'm like, I don't like where they're going there or here, but it was cohesive enough to give me that B action movie feel that I was going for. That I want a Ghost Rider. I don't know if I want a high art Ghost Rider. I don't want a Christopher Nolan Ghost Rider. I don't know if even you can do that. I liked what I got here enough that it It's not a huge, strong recommend. I do want to see it in 2D now, after what you've said, Arnie, but I'm going to give this a weak recommend for Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Stuart.
1: Uh, Jacob, we are not very far apart here. You know, uh, with all of this mumbo jumbo about talking about Ghost Rider being an angel from heaven or a demon from hell, it's right there in limbo. I mean, it's in purgatory. It's just in the middle here. It's just kind of there. And yeah, there are a couple moments where, yeah, I feel like energized by its trashiness. But the problem is you're making comparisons that I would make. This is just like those other movies that I didn't recommend. I don't know why anyone would choose to watch this movie. I don't know what you'd get by sitting down to watch this movie other than distraction. This is a distracting, noisy, nothing of a movie. It it's a lot better than some. I liked it a lot better than Blade. I liked it better than Green Lantern. I can definitely, if I had to rank them, say it's probably on the higher end. But it's trash is trash. I feel like at the end of the day, they need a third component. Dean and Taylor, they have something going for them. They do tap into something, but they need another brother to jump in there and fix these stories and care about the things that they don't care about. If they could do that, I would care about this movie and I don't think it needs to be Christopher Nolan smart but it needs to be coherent and this movie most certainly is not that so a week not recommend which I think is success guys it is for you Stuart I am shocked that you're giving this
3: a weak recommend
1: Weak. it's just weak. it's not strong at all you know I agree
2: with the things you guys have said both of you I do think the visuals of this are very good and I love some of the trashiness I love the hell cycle I wish they'd done the hell coaster I may you know I'm going to C2E2 in a couple of months i may commission an artist to draw me ghost rider on a hell coaster
1: six flags needs to jump in on this why not build it for real
2: universal has the marvel license yes i would ride the hell coaster i would love that but the problem with me is that this movie is very fun when ghost Rider's on the screen ghost rider isn't on the screen all that much and the rest of the time i'm confused. I had to see this movie twice not because it was so great I wanted to go back but because the first time I couldn't see half of it and I was at an AMC theaters, and it wasn't dim. It was just hard to see and hard to focus on all the action. In 2D I was able to focus more. Both times though right around the point when Christopher Lambert's gonna kill the child and things I literally just put my head in my hands and I'm like trying to follow this story hurts me. It hurts me to try to pay attention to it. Are the action scenes fun to watch? Yes. But you know what? I think it comes down to, do you like Jackass? Do you like WWE type stuff? Because if you like action with no character and no story, then this may be a movie for you. But me, I need to care about the characters here. And the story isn't even serviceable. The story is bad and crazy and it's like... I wonder if the four scenes that they cut and they are going to put on the Blu-ray are the four that give me the story I need or reinforce certain plot points that are just literally a drop line here and there. This movie hurts me a lot. I feel beaten by this movie, and I'm going to give it a pretty strong not recommend. Arnie, Punisher Warzone.
3: Didn't you recommend that one? You know what?
2: I wanted this to be Punisher Warzone. When I went back the second time, I was like, can this just be so bad? It's good. Can I put this as a guilty pleasure? I can't. It hurts me. I look at it and it hurts me. It's like an abusive father. It's not Johnny Cage to Danny. It's... A movie we're going to be getting to. It's David to Bruce Banner here.
1: Arnie, you're an engineer riding a roller coaster trying to figure out how it works. The whole point (laughs) that you're missing is that it's a ride. But it's a ride that's too slow for half of it. I don't think anything in this is slow, but I think that, yes, if you're here to be the Ghost Rider, if you want to project yourself into Ghost Rider and experience the movie as Ghost Rider, which most people do when they're looking at a main character, this is not that vehicle. Ghost Rider is almost incidental here, and you're right about that. He's not here much. I don't think this movie is slow-paced at all. I don't think anything about it is slow. It's not slow
2: as in it's not constantly cutting and things are jumping around, but there's not action for slow. So much of it, and when there is action, it's random action like Danny crashes a car and they steal a hippie van, and this has no impact on anything except the car. It's just nonsense. It's noise. I wanted to love this movie. I'd be happy if I liked this movie, or if I could call it a guilty pleasure. You're asking if I can recommend this movie. I'm still gonna buy the (laughs) Blu-ray,
3: but I can't recommend it. There's so many more confusing movies you've recommended than this one. I don't understand why you thought this was confusing. It's not just confusing. It's poor. It's not that I don't understand it. I got it. The problem
2: is I got it the first time and I'm like, well, there has to be more to it than what I got. There's not, there's no there, there.
1: There is no there, there. I agree with you on that. This is a very curious thing though, because you guys both were talking up ghostwriter for months. <laughs> when I was in the doldrums with that TV junk, you were like, Oh, but ghostwriter, ghostwriter, ghostwriter. I thought I would be fighting you, Arnie. I thought I would be having to tell you that what you were calling was fun was exactly what, you know, you're describing accurately i think about this movie <laughs> it's accurate because i agree with you <laughs> <laughs> but i feel like i've had this battle on the other side and it's just a puzzling thing you don't like ghost rider this is too not recommend i thought you did or can they fix this is there hope is there another one to be made can ghost rider be fixed and how what do you guys think they can fix it, because you know
2: what? There are times in these movies, the first one, when Ghost Rider's going up the side of the building and everything, any time the writer is on the screen, I am enjoying it. My biggest problem with this one, again, first of all, that 3D. Ooh, the reason I think it was a strong not recommend instead of a weaker not recommend is that first time that 3D just made it an unpleasurable experience, but the... The thing is, when the writer's on the screen, I like it, but you just need to get me a story where, like, Nick Cage has a cameo as Johnny Blaze, and the movie's about the writer. I don't like his alter identity. So
3: you wanted more Flash? Yeah. You you complained about all the Flash, but you wanted more of it.
2: No, I liked the Flash. I said I liked the Flash. I just want the Flash to be connected with threads of a story and who I can get behind. If this movie had fleshed out his characters a little more and given it some more backstory, I could easily swing the other way. But there just wasn't enough there between the moments. I'm thinking, you know... God help me, Armageddon, a movie that if we ever did, I will give a recommend to, has a lot of flash, but it also has those moments that give me character in it. Or to look back at some of the previous movies I have recommended in this Marvel series, Blade, you get these character moments, but you also keep it moving. Here, it kept moving, but it just felt like a music video to me. And can it be fixed? Yes. That said, they had pretty high predictions going into this weekend. This movie, as of we record, is poised to be number four for the weekend. Wow. I think at least under Sony, he's ridden his last ride. Five years from now, it'll revert to Marvel, and then we'll get a reboot.
1: And you know what? I think that if it is to be fixed, I'll go ahead and say it. It needs to be recast. They need to have done it this time. And then it's not because I think Cage is so horrible. I like his quirkiness from time to time. But I see what his quirkiness translates to the superhero genre. And thank God he wasn't Superman. Thank God that this is the end of the line for this Ghost writer. Because I feel like if they got somebody else, they could take this project in a way that would be more interesting. It would not be about Johnny Blaze. It would be, as you said, Arnie, it would be about the Ghost Rider.
3: And Stuart, to your point, Cage, I think he's a distraction from this movie. Most of the reviews I read after, I waited to see it first, and then because this got awful reviews, but most of it's bitching about Cage, which I don't get. It's Nicolas Cage. You should know what he's bringing to it. And so I wish, just so reviewers and critics had to be honest about this, and they couldn't use Cage as a scapegoat. That's why I wish maybe they didn't use him. So it could have got a fair judgment. I think a lot of people might have stayed away because of Cage's reputation.
2: I think during that scene where I said Cage is most cagey during that interview, here's the thing. It's schlocky, but I can enjoy it. I'm a Cage fan. When Cage was first cast as the Ghost Rider, I was happy about that. I kind of like that manicness, but by the same token, when the Ghost Rider starts, like, doing the crucifix pose and the crazy dance, I don't know. I think that Cage can be great. We talked about him in Kick-Ass. He can be great. But here, I think this was a lesser Cage performance. I would have rather seen Guarding Tess again.
1: It was all in the trailer. This movie is exactly what it promised to be. And Cage has given us exactly what he can do in this part. Let somebody else have it. Let somebody else do it. I don't think that this character is total junk. I do think he could be a vessel for good junkie pop fun. I do see that movie in here somewhere. The one that I think you're recommending, I think there's a glimmer of it here, but it cannot be achieved with what they have. And I'm going to put it on Cage this time. I think the directors could have done it. I don't think Cage can do more than what he's done. And I think the distraction is to the detriment of the property.
2: I think you're putting a little too much on Cage here because if you put anybody else in that role and just change the performance, you're still left with, this harebrained story. Here's the thing is that hairbrainness works for me when you're dealing with crank. Crank is so simple. If you, we ever get to that and you ask me for a plot summary, it will be one sentence. I don't know, Arnie. This could have been one sentence. The thing is when you start dealing with Satan and body transfers and things, it's not as simple as I need a heart. You have my heart. I'm going to beat you till I get my heart. You gave me a poison. I need the cure. I'm going to chase you and beat you till I get the cure. Here, there's so much more in the mix. I'm going to have my evil spirit removed. Now I'm going to have my evil spirit returned. I'm going to transfer my body into the boy. I'm going to turn you into a decaying beast. It's so much nonsense that no matter who the lead is, my problems with this movie would stay the same.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm just happy that it's over. Woof! Another Uh, one. Stuart, do you know what's
2: next? We're going back to TV. Are you saying you're wanting to go back to TV before
1: Ghost Rider? (laughs) I'm saying another one is done. Another pothole on the road through Marvel has been paved, and I can keep riding straight to the end. I see the light, baby. All right, bring it on, whatever it is.
2: It's Avengers. I mean, all we have left now in this huge marathon are movies that star Avengers. The light is at the end of this tunnel. We're going to go with our next Avenger, Hulk. Which is a lot of TV movies. There's four or five of them. But (laughs) (laughs) Hulk teams up with Thor. Hulk teams up with Daredevil.
3: We're getting some Avengers cool. Well, I don't remember that in Ang Lee's Hulk. So, we'll get there. Oh, no. Yeah,
1: eventually. Hey, I'm. it's a long road, Jacob. Just, you know, put out your thumb, get ready. It's going to take a while before something comes along.
2: Ghost Rider's going to pass you on the way, cackling. <laughs> but yes, next week, we start with The Incredible Hulk, the two-hour TV movie that was released in theaters in some countries. Oh that show bill bixby as he tries to find the search for the strength that lies within each of us through gamma radiation
1: well it's been a long time since i've seen that show i maybe only saw it once or twice i'm vaguely looking forward to seeing something familiar
3: yeah i don't have a lot of memories of it i know as part of my childhood so it'll be nice to revisit that hopefully well we'll find out next week so until then let's ride
0: congratulations Johnny, you upheld your end of the bargain. It's time I take back the power of the Ghost Rider. You get your life back. There are more deals to be made. More people willing to give their souls for what they desire. Let someone else carry this curse. You're free now. After all, the deal's a deal. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Now Playing Ghost Rider Retrospective Series. It's probably a very good idea that you you run on home now. Part of our Marvel Comics Movie Retrospective Series. This is crazy. You are crazy. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another movie based on Marvel Comics through the release of The Avengers this May. I didn't want what I said today to be the last words between us. And while at the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics movie series, such as X-Men, The Fantastic Four, Blade, and Punisher. Thanks for the info. I feel much better now that I know I'm the Devil's Bounty Hunter. You can also listen to our non-comic-based movie reviews, such as Star Trek, Terminator, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Tron, and many more. Greatest show on. You can also find individual movie reviews, such as Avatar and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. You provide a very, very important civil service. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss this show with other listeners.
1: I'm the only one who can walk in
0: both worlds. I'm Ghost Rider. You can also follow now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. It doesn't matter how far you run some demons you just can't escape. The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. All of you, come to me! Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. Plus I have some personal issues i kind of like to get fixed. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. I will. Name your price. Oh, I'll take your soul. You can also show your love of Now Playing podcasts by shopping in our store, where you can buy panties, t-shirts, coffee mugs, calendars, teddy bears, and much more. You're the best, and I'm your greatest fan. Now Playing's Ghost Rider retrospective series is edited by Arnie. I can take a negative and turn it into a positive. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. This is how legends are born. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises or Columbia Pictures. Ghost Rider and all that the Marvel Universe contains is the property and trademark of the Disney Company and no infringement is intended. Congratulations. Chances just went from none to swim. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. I'm not trying to say anything. I'm saying that means something. Now playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2012. All rights reserved. Whenever innocent blood is spilt, it'll be my father's blood. And you'll find me there. The spirit of vengeance. Fighting fire with fire.
2: Played by Christopher Lambert, or is it Lambert?
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's been years since Highlander.
2: <laughs> played by Christopher Lambert. <laughs> Johnny, Nadia, and Moreau deliver Danny to Method God, I hate that name. Methodius.
3: <laughs> it's not that I crave blood and gore and the F-word and boobies.
1: Well oh Actually. <laughs> but <laughs> if you listen to some previous reviews. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: Man thing, love those
2: bloody titties. <laughs> Johnny Blaze was the 70s, 80s ghostwriter that never really caught on, no pun intended. I really would have liked to have seen Moreau fleshed out a bit more, no pun intended.
3: Can a, are, are we saying Lambert because Arnie said Lambert? I, I said I, both, though. I, it's
1: actually, I've heard both. I've never heard okay. I've never heard a definitive way. We'll
2: just go Lambert. Okay. We'll make him French this time. All right. Even though he's from New York. <laughs> I, you know, Cage, when he first was cast as the Goat Rider...
3: Goat Rider?
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, he'll do Goat Rider. <laughs> you pay the fee, he'll do <laughs> the Goat.
3: I think that's the X parody of, of <laughs> Ghost Rider. <laughs> so until
2: then, let's ride. Or did I go, until then, ride on. Anyone remember what I did?
1: Have no, no idea what you did. But you can do it alone when you're editing.
2: <laughs> Let's do both and Yeah. <laughs> that sounded dirty.
1: <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Alright. Ghost Rider 2.
2: Alright. <laughs>